Welcome to Ancient and Justified. Empty party zone. Revisit it. With me, James Hyman. And with me, Simone Angel. Welcome to the Ancient and Justified podcast and today a slightly different show because on the show I've got Marijne van der Vlucht. Hello. Welcome. Hello, hello. So yeah, normally of course we interview people who've been guests on Party Zone. Marijne hasn't been guest on a Party Zone but of course she was a VJ like me. So once in a while I thought it'd be fun to do a VJ edition. Just so that I people like it. me and you can just go over our old memories. Riff it, riff it out, riff it out. You yes. know, just chew the fat, as they say in England. <laughs> There's a lot of fat to chew. Oh, there's quite a lot of fat. Oh, you mean that lot. kind of fat? <laughs> I was looking at my. Oh, no, I didn't even mean that kind of fat. But yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. So, um, Marina. I think it'd be quite fun to get you to talk a little bit about your childhood because you actually had quite an unusual childhood as well, right? I mean, you actually are from quite a famous family. I mean, your parents were famous in their own right. So can you please tell us a little bit about that? Well, that's nice. Yeah. So um, I lived in Holland until I was 12 um, with my mum, my dad and my mum, obviously. Um, my dad was from a very young age became a famous actor. Um, he went, he met my mum at acting school, Toneelschool in Amsterdam. And quite quickly, he got a name for himself. So we lived in a very nice house. Uh, and I have photos of my mum and my dad and me as like a four-year-old, photographed in the kitchen and then in the lounge from above, like it, like for Hello magazine or something wow. like that, you know, yeah. proper press photos like <clears throat> Bram van der Flucht and his family. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he, my, my youth uh, in Holland grew up going to see him in plays a lot, a lot, a lot and hanging out backstage and meeting all the actors. And that was perfectly normal, of course. And it gave me, my reference was, uh, you know, for that very reason, like I want that too. It mm -hmm. seems like a really good way to get people to like you because everybody seemed to like him. And my mother was, uh, you know, properly, properly beautiful. Um, but she then fell in love with an Englishman. And when I was eight, she left, left the family home. Uh, my dad said, off you go with your fancy Englishman, but the kids are staying here. Oh. So you didn't expect wow, that. Wow, no, that you? I didn't know. See, <laughs> I was waiting for you to tell the story because your mum was Mama Lou, right? In in Pippo the Clown, oh, in his TV show. Toodaloo, toodaloo, <gasps> toodaloo, oh, toodaloo, toodaloo. I was obsessed with that show growing up. And I was like, Pippo the Clown, oh, oh that's yes. so sweet. Yes. That was her only acting role, really. She she didn't really take to it, but she, she did get her acting because she she went to the Tournée School. Um, her parents wanted to be a, wanted her to be a primary school teacher, <laughs> you know, because they wow. were very very um, conservative. Um, but my mother, in her own right, made her name in England as a sculpture garden um, 
curator. The Hannah Peshaw Sculpture Garden is her is her legacy. Wow. Um, she died in August last year, mm. um, but her legacy is that sculpture park, and she was the wow. first in England to set a sculpture park like that up. So, yes, Simona, I have two very impressive parents, and let me tell you, I have been in a lot of therapy. <laughs> Because <laughs> living up, living up to that uh, is quite yeah. something. Yeah, and yeah. I, I've, I was only able to really let that go. That the, the expectation that you have mm. of yourself. Your parents don't expect anything from you, but you think they do, and you want to please them, and you want praise from them. And it's only quite late on in my life that I realised that that wasn't important. Yeah, that that was your stuff, not really theirs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, wow. Yeah, but, but it, where does that come from? Where does your stuff come from? Mm, probably a little <laughs> bit to do with the parents, you know. <clears throat> it's, yeah. it's all good. Right. I've forgiven well, them. And, I mean, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. And I guess the pros is that they just showed you that anything is possible in a way, right? I mean, it's yeah. not like you came from a family where whatever you imagined was pushed down. Oh, you can't do that. Don't be crazy. Of course not. And you should be, you know, seen and not heard. Like you didn't grow up in that kind of environment. So that was yeah, the gift exactly. they gave you, right? It was the gift. However, Simona, I will keep surprising you. My father did not like it when I became a VJ at MTV. He's like, Okay, so um, why? Okay, so you've done your first show. Great. Why? Why don't you see if you can get a job in the wardrobe department or um, production? Because you know he did not want me to pursue entertainment because why? in front of the camera because he knew how hard it was. Yeah, yeah. And he wanted to protect me, but it, I rebelled against it. I was so angry with him. I remember being in the MTV offices phoning him up going I've got another show it's so exciting and he went oh yeah so maybe now's the time to see if you can also work behind the camera and I put the phone down on him wow I was so angry I was wow. so proud to tell him something and he just he just poo-pooed it Ooh. it took him a while to realize that I was meant to be a performer and I yeah. couldn't help it and before he died because he also died recently yes. um <clears throat> He was so proud of me that I'd started the band up again and he understood. Mm. He understood that I had the same needs as him to have a part of my life that was on stage. Yeah. So we, we wow. no bad feelings, you know, at all. But he understood me. Thank, yeah. Thank the Lord. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you've had a very hard year last year I, was, I have yeah. I have my 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 lovely father Bram von der Flucht the advisor to Sinterklaas um died of COVID which was really mm. shitty uh December 2020 and then my mother died of dementia eight months after that wow and uh, I'd moved to Brighton uh just two months before my dad died uh because my son is out of school and he needed better support because he's autistic and it's quite, it's been quite the time, but let me tell you, I made the right decision and everything is really good right now. Yeah. Well, I remember Steve Blame saying that to me before where he said, or he didn't even say to me, I think he said it in one of his podcasts to someone, he said, your parents give birth to you twice, once when you're born into this world and then the second time when they pass away. He said, because up until that point, 
He said, still, it's like you're like this train and you're still being pulled like your parents, no matter what your relationship, they're still somehow in front of you. And then once they go, that's it. Like you're, you're the carriage, you're, you're pulling whatever's behind I've, you. I've heard this before. Yeah. Um, you only really grow up and become a, an adult when your parents die. And you agree with that? I really do. Yeah. And also this there's also a, a bit of relief because you don't have to feel you need to um you know impress them anymore. yeah no, even though I said I didn't feel I need to there is still yeah. there is still no judgment anymore all parents judge it they can't help it they love you they want the best for you yeah. it's a very strange double-edged sword Simona yeah yeah I'm sure so you I were miss talking... them Ugh. I do miss them it's a weird yeah. one yeah. You were talking about your time at, uh, at MTV and how your dad reacted. So can you just take me back to, because your beginnings at MTV are actually quite interesting. So can you just tell the listeners and the viewers how you ended up as an MTV DJ? Well, <clears throat> there's this phrase, you know, right right place, right time, right time, mm -hmm. right place. I, I think my experience at MTV and how I got the job there, I think it should say it in the dictionary. You know, what does right time, right place mean? Well, it is what happened to Marina. Um, so I was in a band in the late 80s called The Merry Babes with my boyfriend at the time, Paul Kennedy. And I was very pushy. I was annoying as hell. And I we'd made a video with, uh, I'd split up with him to go out with someone else who made videos. And Paul and I decided to stay in the band together. And Paul had to endure the other boyfriend, the new boyfriend, to make videos for us. Bless his con socks. He's married now, happily married. Um, <laughs> um, and we made this video, black and white video, for a song called My Life's Crown, and I wanted it to go on MTV. And um, I was doing a modeling job with a photographer who said, oh, I know Steve Blame. Uh, why don't I ask him if you can visit him? Um, and because he's always putting unsigned bands on. You know, he, he, he sort of... He is, um, that is one of the things that he, yeah, he's championing, that's the word, championing mm -hmm. um, unsigned bands. So she got me this um, meeting with, with uh, Steve Blame in the old offices in Mandela Street, and every office was a glass cage. Um, so there I was sitting, and this producer called Sue Hills walked past, who for some bizarre reason had spotted me in a magazine the week before in Italy, so she recognized me and she knew from the magazine that I was a musician, that I was Dutch and that I was a model. And she right. was looking for a, a, a girl, a, a female who was both in fashion and music and European, so not British, to present a new show called The Pulse with Swatch. And there I was and she just saw me and went, I need to get her to audition. So... Wow. She asked and I went, hell yeah. And um, there were a couple of other girls as well, but I just thought I'm going to get this job. And I did. And and that's the, that. the rest is history. So, and then MTV were really kind because they continued to champion my band. Right. You know, which is yeah. a bit nepotistic, but, you know. Why yeah, not? but who said that they, <laughs> I mean, who said that they wouldn't have had if you hadn't been on there? I mean, you know. A lot of us make music and MTV wasn't particularly pushing any of ours. I mean, you know, I think my video, 
started to get played when I was already like in the top 10 in several European countries when mm. they actually started to play it. So they, they didn't okay. push. So I don't know. Mm. I think they actually genuinely must have liked what you were doing. You were doing it is, something right. It is possible. Right. It is possible, yeah. yeah. My highlight, can I, can I, my highlight was going to the very first EMAs in Berlin. You must Ooh, have been there. I was Brandenburg ask Gate. You about those. Yes. Yes. Um, I was there as a guest because I'd already left, which is I find surprising because I know that was you, 1994, and I think left. I left. Yeah, I thought I left MTV in 1995, so the dates don't quite match my timeline. But I was invited, even though I'd already left. So I was a guest and I had backstage everything. Um, and yeah. I remember being standing in a little circle with Helena Christensen, Nana Cherry, me and some other people. I can't remember the others. I wonder why. Um, and um, <laughs> Helen, I, I, um, I praised Helena's dress because it looked like it come from a charity shop and because she was very much into vintage, you know. And I, I'd say, oh, is that vintage? Not that it's, you know, I can tell. And she went, oh, yes. And then Nana said, oh, I love your video, Morena, which was the video for Diminished Clothes, which was on on rotation on MTV. So that was that was a massive highlight. That was wow. like, oh, my God. I kind you know, of, I'm doing something right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So that, 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 um, that award show, that EMAs, I had a beautiful outfit, but my stylist wasn't with me. And um, so for some reason, my outfit was in a taxi driving around Berlin and I was about to go on air and my outfit just didn't come. Like they're literally like it, it, it never came actually. It actually never came. So there was someone, I think it might have been Kate Swift or some one of the other, someone behind the camera said, oh, well, I have a suit. Mm. And it, the suit really didn't look very good on me at all. <laughs> I literally, poor, I literally just did the thing like in this, you know, on me very average looking suit. Um, but I had a lot of fun though. I always had so much fun at all the I MTV bet you, Awards. Oh my I bet, god! I know, but I bet you made the most of that situation with your spirit. And you just went, "Oh well, I'll have to just you know do something with the suit and make it, you know, make whatever. It work. Who cares, right? I mean, really, mm. who cares? I never mm. really cared too much about anything. We just we just had a laugh all the time. I just mm. laughed about everything. Yeah. You know, I always said that to people because. I always enjoyed it when things were going wrong. I kind of, I quite feed on you that. thrive this, on it. Right. You know, thrive, when everything, thrive, when the yeah. stage starts to fall apart and everyone's panicking, I suddenly get really calm. I'm like, ooh, I like this. I can do something with this. But also I would laugh all the time when things were going wrong. And people would often say to me, like, how can you laugh? This is terrible. And, and I would ask them, like, well, what are you going to do when you look back on this in 10 years from now? And they'd be like, well, we would laugh. We will laugh. I'm like, well, why will we wait 10 years? We may as well laugh now. So, yeah, I just laughed my way through everything. That's cool. That's so cool. Um, I was asked back to the EMAs to be the the, the voice of God um, three times in the noughties. And wow. that, was, that was the biggest honor they could have bestowed on me yeah. because um, I, I'm a voiceover artist as well. Um, and, and that they, they – got me in once and then again the next year mm. and then uh, two years after that so and 
I just felt almost like my my time at MTV had been honoured properly. Like right. I know I left to go and be in the band in 1995 yeah. or four, and I kind of they probably felt a bit shunned, um, and um, it was just a beautiful thing. To be and they hadn't forgotten about you. I mean, that's mm. nice, right? It's really nice. And don't you think as well, like back in those early days, things were just going so fast and it was so crazy and you're not really taking it in. At least my experience, I was, I really wasn't taking it in at all. It was just, but I think when you come back, like what you did as the voiceover artist, having stepped back from that for so long and then to be, to be there again, you must've taken it in so much more. So much more, mm. so appreciative every yeah. single second. And not just doing the job, but the catering at these events are <laughs> beyond belief. It's eat to the beat, the company, and fun. they create these masterpieces. And that's almost a better reason to be there, you know. And the one I did in Amsterdam, they, the whole buffet was in the style of the Dutch masters, the Rembrandts and, and whatever. Wow. I tell you, yeah, creation, creativity. That, we didn't to get the nth that. degree. We didn't get no, that but in that, the that, 90s. That's new. No, that's, that's no, that didn't thing. happen at all in the <laughs> 90s, for sure. I, I, can't, I really can't remember any food that we had at any of the awards, to be quite honest. Um, I do remember the parties and the after parties and the after after parties, but food, no. <laughs> See, I wasn't, I've never been a party girl, Simona. I'm a food girl. So I probably, yeah. probably there was food. You just didn't care. You weren't interested. Oh, that's possible. Yeah, that is actually <laughs> quite possible. So um, to if you had to explain your time as an MTV VJ to someone, let's, let's explain it to people who weren't there, who didn't even see MTV back then. So what, how can you explain what it is that we did? We were radio DJs, but on camera. But however um radio was live and we weren't mostly but it was it was so the videos would be played because it was the age of the video it started in america and then and then mtv in europe started in was it 89 90 something like that late 80s yeah 88 no 88 i think maybe maybe even sooner because party zone started in 88 so wow what in america though no no really in Europe, I think I believe so. And then I joined in '91, like you. Hey, two Dutch girls. I I remember you sent me a, a magazine article um, yes. of you in a yellow hat, party hat, you know, summer of love and all that. Or maybe that hadn't <laughs> happened yet. And I don't know what I was wearing. Some kind of something a bit more, something hair. a bit more um, elegant, Junior. but but elegant. but more. What did you say? Demure? Like a bit Demure. More... Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I was a bit more. You were out there. Bah, Very Simona much. Angel. <laughs> and I was quite shy. I was quite shy, I think, until the camera went on. So, yeah. So what we did is we were the faces of MTV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you said recently when we had a chat, that we were kind of the influencers of our time. Yeah. And for sure. we would we would be the faces of these different different programs and we we would be on all night and for people to be able to check into MTV, zone out, have someone to talk to, 
or have someone to talk to them um, and feel that they're not alone. And we, you know, the, the bands that were played on MTV were really lucky because it was a massive promotional tool. Yeah. Um, and we got to associate with those bands and sort of, you know, it was Enter difficult. The, prom- Enter the world. I mean, we really became yeah. part of that whole world. I mean, we were just, yeah. yeah. And it was difficult to, um, you know, promote, you know, say hi, say, talk about a video of a, of a band that you perhaps didn't like and didn't, you didn't associate with, but that was our job. So yeah. you could sort of, I remember always surreptitiously making sure that people knew this is not my type of music. I know. You know? I try, yeah. I tried to do that too somehow. I can't quite remember how I did. Cause I, you know, I did like the afternoon mix. I did sometimes dial MTV and I really didn't like doing that, but I, mm. you know, my passion was party zone, party mm. zone, MTV dance, dance floor charts. That was, you know, that was my scene. So whenever I had to introduce like some American rock band or something, it's like, I, I tried to somehow make people, see or realize that I didn't really like what I was introducing. But of course, we weren't yeah. allowed to say anything. Um, Beavers and Butthead could say what they wanted, but we weren't allowed. Hmm. Somehow, I think, yeah. Um, something to something to do with the fact that they weren't real, but they were, because someone's behind them. I know, it um, used to really annoy back? me. It used to really annoy me that they could say the stuff that I was sometimes thinking and I couldn't mm. say it. Um, I, I, my thing was, um, alternative nations. Yeah. I, I, uh, and if, sometimes I would stand in for whoever did 120 minutes. Um, oh, Toby says hi. Oh, that's nice. Can Toby, you say a big hello back? Toby is going to be on the VJ edition soon as well. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Toby yes. and I live in the same city. We haven't, we haven't oh. yet said hello. We must oh, do this. Yes. Uh, Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Love Toby. So, okay, okay. so he was standing in sometimes for, because he was doing more of the indie stuff, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And then you were doing the fashion yeah. stuff, obviously. I started out, I was brought in for the fashion show, the Pulse with Swatch. Yeah. yeah. And that, strangely, that was on maybe four times a week, but it was only took an hour to record a month. So initially, when I started, I was earning £100 a month. That was it. Because I, it only took it took only took an hour to record. Wow! Um, and then the rest of the time, I was still modelling. I was doing my band, and I was waitressing. Um, and it wasn't until Simon Mills, who was the editor of Sky Magazine, was being served a pizza by me at this restaurant called Orso, and he looked at the pizza and looked up at me and went, "Aren't you that girl on MTV?" And I went. Yes, and would you like some pepper with that? Oh my god! <laughs> and, and and we went out to lunch, you know. Um, but it was a bit embarrassing. Um, and lo- not long after that, I left because then I started getting more shows, like the night shift and things like that. Yeah. And then Dial MTV and Coca Cola Report. But yeah, I was I was I've always been a multitasker, Simona. I've always done. I'm still now doing several things all at yeah. the same time yeah. to keep afloat. Yeah. Wow, God, I had no idea. That's crazy. I was in those studios all the time, like all day. That's how it felt. <laughs> I was in there. And then, of course, pretty soon with me. Um, so the very first location shoot that MTV ever did was with me. We did Simone's Beach Party. It was me and Toby Clifton. And the two of us went around Europe, and uh, we had so much fun. 
And so that became my thing, I think, as well, to a large extent. I was the girl on the road uh, getting into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it was. Yeah. I bet it was. Did That's you, amazing. Did you, do, um, did, did you do any location shoots? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, we, I think I did uh, something in Spain, Ibiza or something like that. Um, a lot around... I did some like Belgium. I th I interviewed BB King with Mike Kaufman, lovely Mike Kaufman, nice. um, and I got a BB King gave me a BB King badge, which I've lost. Oh. So stupid, isn't it? I know I've lost but, things too from people that they've given me. Yeah, um, but the big one that I remember was going to Moscow in the middle of winter and doing a segment with you know the famous MTV Mike on Red Square in the snow wow. with a big bear hat on you know can't get more sort of crazy classic, yeah crazy and i really felt like you know i had fallen with the in dutch we say make your nose in the boat which means you have fallen with your nose in the butter right girl yeah which means you are very privileged yeah and you doing... you have to be yeah. doing what you're doing yeah um, you but moscow was crazy because um it was not long after the cold war had finished was it, it was berlin war right. came down and was it 89 mm -hmm. have i got that right um and so the 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 person that was looking after us was from coca-cola because of course mtv and coca-cola have you know they sponsor mtv you know the coca-cola they were like this um, and he, in the back of his car, he had about 20 massive Coca-Cola bottles and about 20 pairs of Levi's jeans to um, make sure that he could get around safely. Um, as an American, you know, he would be stopped a lot and the security forces and the police would have to be bribed with Coca-Cola and jeans. Wow. Um, so we didn't feel that safe all the time, wow. you know. You know what? It can't be as bad though as one time we did the um, the launch of MTV in Lebanon. So we were in Beirut, which I loved, by the way. Oh my goodness, Beirut's just like the best place ever. But safety-wise, not great, right? So so um, so we had we'd be in a car, but there'd be a guy with a machine gun in the front of the car. And so wherever we were driving, if we came across like a, you know, a cro like crossroads, the guy with the machine gun would jump out and just hold up the traffic like that as we drove through, you know, and there'd be several cars. So there's several guys with machine guns getting us through. And then we were driving. And at one point I'm like, oh, what are, what's these walls here? And I went, oh, that's the Hezbollah training camp. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, oh, God, this is crazy. I had a great yeah. time though in Lebanon, but of course um, you did. But that was that was very odd. And you know, it's quite funny. You know, you're talking about artists giving you funny things. I've had some bizarre things, right? So, one thing was Grace Jones gave me a little love heart that just flashes. Oh, and my mum still has it. I think she still walks around with it in her in her handbag. I think it still flashes after all these years. But it was wow. so funny when I met Grace Jones. This was again with Steve Blaine. We're in this club, and he went. Hey, Simone, meet Grace. And Grace comes over and she just looks at me. You know, she can have this quite scary look. And I just put my hand out to shake her hand and she just goes, ar, ar, and just squeezes my my breast like, like, hello. Uh, uh. Uh, uh. 
hello. <laughs> I'm like, uh, hello. And I just pretended like it was normal. But at the same time, I'm thinking, that's not normal. That's very strange. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. And I went with it. And then later on, she gave me a little laugh hard. I think these mm-hmm. days that would get you in a lot more trouble than but back uh, then. Certainly. Less but when a woman does it to a woman, but it that's shouldn't true. be allowed. That it no, should but not I, be allowed. I actually found it quite funny at the time because it was like, mm-hmm. this is so bizarre. So then the other thing, and I got a little, really nice uh, a book from about punk, the history of punk from, from Keith from The Prodigy. So that's quite dear to me. I still oh, have that. Yeah. And then another thing that someone gave me that I lost years ago when... Um, Sean Ryder from Happy Mondays was with Black Grape. They brought out the, the CD. I forgot even what it's called. Quite iconic with, with, with the logo for them and everything. And I met him at a festival and he gave me a little paper trip, a little LSD paper trip with that same logo on it. And he gave me one and he said, if anyone else offers you one of these, come to me because I've got copyright on them. <laughs> so I took a proper, it. A proper yeah. trip. A proper trip. So I took it and I put it inside the sleeve of the CD because I thought this is going to be worth money one day, right? I've got the actual paper trip from Sean Ryder. It's gone. I don't know where it's gone. Like, it's gone. It disappears. I'm like, oh, man, that would have been so good to have had. I wonder if it would still have been potent, you know, probably, probably not. not. Probably no. not. But uh, How hilarious. Uh, talking fine. about Black Grape, um, we toured with Black Grape and Supergrass in France um, with my band, um, Salad. Wow. And um, they, Bez and Kermit, was, were pleasantly surprised that they liked us. <laughs> and Kermit came into the dressing room afterwards and he went, oh, my man, great. man, you're so great, man. If I had some H now, I'd offer you some. I'm like... <laughs> Thank you, uh, but no, thank you. But thanks, the, for, the thanks, thanks for the thought. Yeah. How funny. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, rock and roll. How do you look back now on your time at MTV? With an incredible amount of um, uh, gratitude and love, and especially when knowing how, how small a family unit it really was before mm-hmm. it went, before it became what it is now. Yeah. Um, incredibly lucky to have been part of that and how when we meet up now at reunions that love is still there people are still so young at heart because basically it was almost like a pirate station i mean um it was run by a bunch of kids really Uh just students uh just come out of college nobody knew what they were doing everyone was winging it everyone was partying and that's what made it so fresh um and exciting and yes they would want us to make mistakes in the recording so that it would seem live you know sorry guys if i've blown your bubble now a lot of it a lot of the links in the middle of the night at five o'clock we weren't there yeah but also hold on yeah but but also did they not say that because they just couldn't be bothered to redo it that they went oh just make it look like it's live because they knew it was going to take them longer if they had to redo i actually don't know the answer to that i would like to think no <laughs> you know it had to be kind of okay but it definitely hadn't be you didn't need to be polished i cared i cared did you yeah i and and i would get very stressed oh did you yeah yeah i had some very but but that's but that's why they told you it has to appear to be live that's really clever then it's to calm you down it's like no this is (laughs) okay (laughs) you're you're broken my bubble now 
<laughs> no, but it's good. It's good. That's that's that's, that's something fine. you know. You figure out what works. I remember I used to do this thing. So I had the the Party Zone studio, and artists would come, and a lot of the people that I interviewed for Party Zone had never been interviewed before, had never been on TV before, because we really picked people that we liked, but where there was really no press interest into them yet, right? And we really pushed them um, and pushed them up, which was you know one of my favorite things about the job. But the downside of that was that I often had people coming into the studio incredibly nervous. And so the little trick that I did, my first link would always be a mess up. And my crew knew that, it's just what I did. So, you know, I'd sit here and I've got the crew over there and I would do the first link and I would mess up and I would laugh and go, oh no, I can't believe I did that. I'm like, oh, on purpose. Know, kind of, on purpose to kind of make them feel more like, oh, okay, it's us against them, you know, or oh, there's all the serious That's people, so but there's us smart. and we're just, we're just having a laugh. <laughs> so. Simona, that is really smart. Was that your idea? That was my idea. It was just to kind of calm people down. And I also tried to give them things that they could do with their hands. So we'd have little toys there or something because it was really intimidating for a lot of them. Um, so, yeah, I had to make them feel like I was on their side and they could trust me and it was okay. And yeah. See, I yeah. always think you could have been a producer there. You could have gone on to then go behind the scenes, you know, after you left. Yeah, I just didn't, it never really occurred to me because to me that was... You know, you actually had to start organizing things. I didn't like to organize anything. Mm. <laughs> I like to just wing it. So now I could do it. But back then, back then I couldn't. I just, I was mm. just, I wanted to have fun. And to me, that was like a grown-up job. I didn't have a grown-up job. Yeah. Oh, and another thing I wanted to check with you. So what about fan mail? Did you get some really weird fan mail back then? I would say not weird. I got some really the lovely things. Uh, the first fan mail I ever got was almost the best. It was a drawing, you know, of me on MTV, rolled up in a in a in a you know a cardboard mm -hmm. um, canister. Right. And and the effort that you know the effort that goes into something like that is is so much more special than just a whatever. A, a letter but I love right. the letters too so no I never got really weird stuff so I, I can't I can't tell you a, a funny anecdote about that what I did get which was really really fun was faxes during the Ray Cokes oh show God, while we were on it with the band um and there is one on on YouTube now where they get a fax um to read out to Morena and Ray starts reading it and I come over from the stage stage and I and I, I I'm trying to read the letter and he looks at me and I go well, it is for me after all, so let me read it, you know. So I enjoyed that. Um, but no, 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 no nutters. No, okay, well, you were lucky then. We got really weird fan mail. You tell me, tell me, Just, tell me. It, well, a lot of really scary stuff, actually. Not a lot. I mean, of course, you get a lot of normal stuff, and then, but it's the scary ones that stick with you, you know. Mm -hmm. And so apparently they said there's um, this thing with people with psychosis where – um, especially TV presenters can can become part of, of the psychosis for someone because they are looking directly at the camera when they're talking. So actors look away, you know, but, but as a presenter, you're there, you're looking at the camera. And like you said, you know, we were playing in the background. We were just part of people's lives. The TV was on and we were there. And so there were certain people 
who are having mental problems who somehow would weave you into their story. And so it actually got to the point where there was some pretty scary stuff going on. And I think we all lightened the nerves for us to, to so we, we just started a thing, you know, where every week we would just sit and read the craziest um, fan mail to each other to kind of make each other laugh, but also to lighten really? it because it was quite scary. I mean, you know, I had people, I had someone who found out my personal telephone number who was like screaming down the line, um, was getting like, like little coffins sent to me with like dead flowers in it and like dolls with no heads and some really scary, like I found it really scary back then. Um, you know, because there you were, a little young girl in London, and there's no one there to read the post with you. You know, you do it by yourself, and then you walk back yeah. home, and and yeah, it felt a little bit. Yeah, the support, the support was lacking a little bit. There was no support. Um, I was saying that like to someone recently. Like there was no HR back then. You know, we there was no support in that way. Oh, and I got an interesting one as well once from from Kenya, um, where I get this stack of paper, like pictures from this guy and he basically just announced that me and him were going to get married and he said well here's my family I have so many cattle you know I have so many cows and sheep and and I'm coming on the 23rd of July so we can arrange the marriage I'm like he didn't even ask me <laughs> he just yeah, announced he just announced cheek. we were going to get did he arrive was what, what happened when July I don't know. I didn't, 23rd came along? I don't know. I didn't do anything. I didn't. I didn't say anything or do anything. And yeah, but um, yeah, we had some. No, I think I locked movements. out. I don't know why I didn't get the nuts. I I think I should be quite happy about that. Yes, and no, not I jealous think so because no, 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 not at all. Because that was definitely one of the downsides for me. Mm. Um, and yeah so that's the thing right when you when you do a job like that there are some really great highs um but um there's also some quite difficult parts psychologically there are going to be psychologically parts, you know yeah um i yeah. think you how did you navigate prepared. all that um by crying quite a lot i did right. quite a lot of crying in the mtv studios i was told i was a diva by Brett, very outrightly. Brent, rather. Brent Hansen. That was our said, boss. Marina, wow. That was our boss. He said, Marina, I've heard that you've been very rude to staff in the studio and that you've turned into a bit of a prima donna. What's going on? I went, oh, I think you're right, Ooh. Brent. My God, you've called it. You've called it. Oh. I will change. So I changed. Oh. I was just really stressed because I was doing, I was. I had so many things going on. I had my band and also... Uh, presenting and it was all too much for me and I couldn't cope at all um, so I did a lot of crying and now I know that I suffer from anxiety full on but I didn't know at the time I just thought uh, you know you're pathetic you're just a pathetic mess <laughs> but we didn't talk about uh, mental health I mean that just wasn't a conversation you know to me it was normal I thought it was normal that you just work and work and work and work until you basically curl into a ball in the corner, crying and shivering and, oh, you know, and you break down and then you get sent home for a few days and then it starts all over again. And I just thought that's how people live. Like I had no reference point outside of showbiz and MTV. I never had a normal job. I just thought that's what people do. And it wasn't until afterwards that I realized that, 
oh, that's actually not normal. We, we never spoke about it, and yet it was totally accepted. So all these kind of emotional freakouts and stuff, we just all, you know... Well, I didn't know whether it was accepted, it. but I, I, I don't know whether it was accepted. Um, I, I, I didn't. I don't think I was understood. I felt very misunderstood, and I also felt like a weirdo. Um, and I was incredibly shy. I remember that the dressing room we had opposite the studio, you know, the the the, the, uh -huh. the, big the mirrors ones. all around the big one. Um, and Bjork was in there once, um, and I just ignored her. Absolutely, completely ignored her because, you know, I couldn't be even, even though I was a VJ and she probably knew my face, uh, she would have seen it. But no, I was ignoring her because she won't know who I am and I don't, I don't want to be a sycophantic or a protect. Uh, no. Wow. <laughs> we, we happened to walk in and out of the door at the same time. And she went, hello, how are you? I went, oh, I'm fine, thank you. And I thought, she's Aww. she's broken the ice, poor thing. I mean, lovely yeah. thing. She could tell I was I was in hell. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I never I never had that. I wasn't shy. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't shy. I know. I'm not saying I'm not saying I was never nervous. I think actually the more nervous I got, the louder I got. Right. That was just my way of dealing it because you hide that you're scared, you hide mm. that you're nervous. Um, so, but I know I never, I, and I never felt particularly impressed with any of the stars, really. Right. Like, I, so I, I want to know, I like, so I, I, I approached everyone the same, like, I didn't really care, you know, the only times was. Sometimes people make me feel like it was a big deal. I remember my very, very first interview that I ever did was with Tina Turner. I was 18. I was going to interview Tina Turner. And I just thought, oh, that's great fun. I'll just do it. And, um, and I got my special outfit. I had my patchwork trousers and, you know, some fun T-shirt and a hat. And, you know, I thought it was going to be really great. And then Toby Amy, uh, Toby um, Clifton, my producer, made me so nervous beforehand because he kept going, Simone, she's an icon. Be polite. What are you going to say? You know, what are you wearing? And I said, these patchwork trousers. And he went, you can't wear them. You know, this is like, this is too, you know, you'll be trying to grab the attention too much. And he really, he made this big, big deal out of uh, He got in your head. Totally. But then when I met her, she was so lovely. And we had a great time and we did the interview. At one point even during the interview, Toby turns to me and he goes, Simone, that was really rude. You said something over Tina. She wasn't done speaking yet. And she's an icon. You need to respect her more. And Tina Turner just turned to the camera and she off to, to Toby. She went, oh, fuck off. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I was like, yay. I love it. So she was on my side. And then as she walked past the dressing room afterwards, she my open dressing room, she walks past, she sees the patchwork trousers that I was not allowed to wear runs in grabs them and holds them up and she went oh my god i love these where did you get them so there you go i told my so you learned a big lesson yeah don't ever tell me, tell what, to me do. what to wear again yeah. don't tell me what to do let me do my thing and uh yeah well that, that, that obviously special. that that's amazing that was special yeah. um well done because the thing is i did care and i was starstruck again and again and again and I couldn't help myself yeah. you know uh so yeah. possibly not the best person um 
And also I, I liked auto cue. I was very good at reading and acting out and being natural and reading out the auto cue and making out that I was just, it was all coming from my head. That was sort of my yeah. skill. And I hadn't yet developed what we're doing here today, chat. I hadn't developed yeah. that skill. And now I can chat for England, especially on stage, you know, I, between the songs, it all just comes out. I need some bullet points, but I, it's all, it, it, it's there. I know it's there and I can trust wow. it. But back then I wasn't great at interviewing. I was, I was, I, I, I wasn't secure. And I was asked whether I wanted to, do, to present more TV programs after I left MTV. And I was like, I don't think so. You know, I was offered shows, talk shows, chat, you know, chat shows. And I was like, no, I don't think it'll be very good for my band's image. <laughs> but also because it was scary it was really scary um and my mum was devastated when I left MTV and chose you know rock and roll but it was what I was meant to be doing and I knew that yeah no for sure so so you did a really interesting video um was it I don't know how many months ago now you did a video where you were completely naked and Indeed. you crawl out of the sea. It's, it's really, it's, it's an incredible video. I mean, thank you. It's raw and and yeah. like, did it have something to do with the loss of your 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 mother or my mother was dying? What? My mother was dying at this point. My father had already died. I was having a very tricky time in Brighton. It was COVID, everything was hard. And it was only when we had recorded the song and I heard the mix on my headphones and I just got the shiver going down my whole body and went, I need to be, the video for this needs to be me standing naked in the waves being bashed by them. That's the I image. I think you saying it. Yeah. Wow. And I thought, right, how, am I, how are we going to make that? Um, and I called my ex-husband who was coming down to collect our son anyway. And I went, how do you feel about filming me naked in the scene? He went, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, See all before. (laughs) Exactly. And um, he got all his cameras down, his 360s, his everything. And we just went to Rottingdean Beach just for an hour and a half, you know, scrambled into the sea. And it was all his work. I did the performing, but he filmed it discreetly you know um he he and I then did the edit because I understood the power and it it was a one shot pretty much yeah. and it was just one of those moments Simona and I uh, that it just all came together how it ought to and it was definitely yeah. celebrating brokenness because mm, we're all yeah, you broken. must be really you must be really proud of that um yeah of that video it's yeah, definitely very powerful you have to look inside when you're being creative and it needs to be authentic and i think that is possibly the most authentic thing i've ever made yeah so thank you wow it's called things in heaven by the oh. way <laughs> in thank yeah, you it's amazing whoever hasn't seen it yet it's, it's out there. And, and the thing is, and people say, oh, that was really brave making that video because I am a middle-aged woman. I'm not as skinny and beautiful as I was. You know, I, I, I don't mind saying it. I, you know, I was a model. I was blessed with the right shape and everything when I was young. That's all gone. 
Um, so crawling out of the sea naked as a 55-year-old woman is brave and then putting it out there on the internet. It's very fucking brave but because yeah. it's not about that. It's about vulnerability, embracing vulnerability right. and doing something with yes. it and not, to, not don't be afraid because beauty comes. You know, you can only see the light but, when it, the cracks show. Right. What do you want to say? But, well, but also, you know, this whole thing with beauty and age, you know, I, I look at some young girls and yes, they look pretty and perfect, but also a little bit like a, just a blank slate sometimes. Like to me, there isn't much to hold on to yet. There isn't much substance. Whereas to me, I actually think older women are incredibly beautiful, you know, and we have more shapes and we have more lines, but but there's something there, there's substance. My husband said a beautiful thing to me one time. We were, he, he looked at me and he said, he said, I think you're more beautiful now than you've ever been. And we were both quiet because I thought, I thought about that. I thought, no, that's actually not true. And he, and I think he was also thinking, going, actually, that doesn't make quite make sense. And then he looked at me and he again, again, and he said, you're more, and I said, you, you're more you. And he went, yeah, that's it. You're more you. And, and, and that was it. It was like, you're right. That is the beauty is you become more of who you really are. And that, when that shines true, that to me is beauty. That's beautifully said. And he saw that. Oh, he's a keeper. <laughs> but then you know that. Yeah. Oh, I know so that. beautiful. Oh, Oh, Marina, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate this. And it's so fun. It's like you're my family. We always will be. Always will be. And it's really always. lovely to catch up with you properly. Much love. And Bye, you, sweetie. MTV Forever. Bye. Bye.